Father, we just come to you. And I speak peace to every heart here. Help us to be still. That behind the voice of man, we might hear the voice of the living God. I pray you would touch our ears that we might hear you. Pray that you would anoint our eyes that we might see. Cleanse our hearts. That faith would arise in our hearts that we might believe what we hear. Above all, Lord, we surrender our wills that we may obey when we hear your voice. Because you have said in your word, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. We come to you, Lord. We surrender ourselves this hour. You speak to us. All that is of me, let it fall to the ground. But all that is of you, I know, Lord, it will not go void. It cannot go void. You will achieve the purpose for which you are sending it forth. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. For those who have missed previous Sundays, We've been studying from the Gospel according to John. We've been looking primarily at the feeding of the 5,000, not the miracle in itself. But what do these miracles point us? Unlike the other three Gospels where other miracles are recorded, John's Gospel calls the miracles as signs. They're not called miracles. They're called as signs. The purpose of a sign is to point us to something greater. That's why Jesus got frustrated with the people who just followed him for signs. Because the purpose of a sign is that we would put our trust in Jesus more and more and more. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how many miracles we have experienced in our life. If our trust and our obedience to the living God hasn't grown, God hasn't failed us, but the signs are of no avail to us. That's what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness. Forty years, they were a living miracle. Every day of their life was a miracle. But they perished in the desert because scripture says most of them, or you could say almost all of them, except for two or three, include Moses in the group. None pleased God. And scripture says they did not please God because what they heard, they did not mix it with faith. And faith has two components. One we hear, we believe, and the next component we obey. We obey. So in these Gospels, there are eight miracles in the Gospel according to John. You're good by now. Seven are before resurrection. One is after resurrection. In every one of these miracles, Jesus will ask those who come to him to do something. James will say, "Without faith, work, faith without works is dead. How do we know our faith is real? How do you know your faith is real? How do you know your faith is real? Because you came to church today. But your faith is not so real because most came late.
The only time, my memory, I'm just running my memory bank. The only time Jesus waited for people was one for the Samaritan woman. He went ahead, waited. And the other was when the, the eight of the disciples went fishing after the resurrection. He waited for them on the shore. Two times. But we have a habit of making, keep God wait. We are supposed to be waiting on the Lord, but what we actually do in practice is we keep God waiting. We don't do that. Learn the simple things, simple, simple things. Every city I go, every town, every country I go, when people come to me, the first question I ask them is, do you come to church on time? Usually 99% say no. I said, we agreed on something. If two or three gather in my name, he will. That's the reason we gather. We're not coming here to worship. We're not coming here to pray. We're not coming here to hear the word. All that is because he said he would be there. If he's in there, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any difference. But he is there. So make it always an attempt. This is all steps of faith, genuine faith, which leads to obedience. Leads. That's why I said define your, your time. Redeem the time before days are evil. When people, millions upon them today, this day, millions upon them in all the persecuted nations in the Middle East and in China and Africa and all, are risking their life to worship God. And they come before time. And I've seen them come before time. Risking, they caught their dead. Risking their life just to come together to worship and to hear the word. In some places, no instruments, nothing, no voices. The song sheets are given and they just move their lips because you cannot even make a sound. I know how we'd worshipped in the underground churches. Windows were shut, the blinds were this thing, just one guitar and he's told very low. And the church was literally underground. We had to go into the room, open the trap door, go down and that's where we worship. We kept on changing times so that they would never. That's the only time places where we allow people, you can come as you want because they don't recognize you. I used to go to worship in my tracksuit because they would think I was going early in the morning to exercise. But we were going for worship. So remember, we have this freedom, enormous freedom, which God has given us, I believe, for a season. Resources he has given us. Offer it to him. Our faith needs to be proved by our obedience. That is the work. That's when your faith is real. Otherwise, our faith is not real. Because most of you come from a non-Christian background. You have paid and are paying a price for your faith. Yes, you are paying. But make these steps of faith and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. Teach me. Because these are all Things with Jesus looks. Yes, I said, never question God's power, His grace. It's plenty. More than enough. But God says, examine your faith. Test yourself. That's what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says. Examine your faith. Test yourself. I never have to examine God's grace. I have to always examine my faith. Why isn't that flowing into my life? There must be an issue with faith. And how do I test my faith? I check my obedience. I check my obedience. Not how much scripture I know. It's good to know scripture. Very good. But I don't have to know how much scripture I know. I have to check my obedience. So God puts us in situations. In the first miracle at Cana, he told the servants, fill the jars and take a cup. 
That's all they had to do. But they had to do it. No questions asked. What are these jars for? It's for washing feet. Why should we fill it with water? How can I take this water from this jar? And No questions. They obeyed. They received a miracle. Second miracle, man comes from Capernaum to Cana, the rich official. His son is dying, falls at Jesus Christ. Lord, have mercy. And Jesus throws up his arms literally and says, how long, you unbelieving generation? You need signs and wonders. And he tells the man, go. His son is healed. What is he going to do? Hang in there. Cling to Jesus. Like Jacob clung to God. Cry, no Lord, please come, lay your hands, you'll give the methodology also, you should heal my son. Scripture says he took God at his word and went, and his son was healed. Right? Bethsheda, fool at Bethsheda, many crippled people lying over there, goes to one, 38 years, ask him, do you want to be made whole? Pick up your mat and walk. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Has this man ever got up in 38 years? No. Is he going to obey and make an effort? Yes. He does. Now, is he going to do now? He has carried nothing for 38 years. Everybody has carried him for 38 years. Now, the Lord is saying, you carry something. That too on a Sabbath. Does he obey? He does. Does he receive his miracle? Yes. Examine your faith. Test yourself. Test yourself. That's what scripture says. The next one is a feeding of the 5,000. 5,000 plus men, women, children, all there. The disciples want to send them away. Jesus says, no, feed them. The scripture says in the gospel according to John 6, 6, it says, Jesus said them to test them. Test them. Two things they had to do. There was one boy alone who had, was willing to give. Jesus, he gives. Jesus takes. Then he tells one thing. Sit down. Sit down. You handed your problems, your life into God's hands. It looks impossible. Don't use your calculator and your mind. They were economists then also. Lord, six months wages won't be enough. That's economy. That's true. That's economics. Another one said, five loaves and two fish. What can it do? One is looking at demand. The other one was looking at supply. What they teach you in universities today. Jesus said, give it to me. Put your notions aside. Give it to me. Will we give it? It's not only giving. Will we sit down? Will we sit down? And say, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my children. When I look, it looks impossible. It's impossible. But I know I serve a God who specializes in impossibilities. And as an act of faith, I'm putting my life into your hands and I'm sitting down. Will we sit down? Are we anxious today? Are we worried today? Ten months are over. Ten months are over. I was starting to get anxious last week. I told Pastor Vijay, I'm starting to get anxious. And I heard my own message ringing in my ear. God saying, sit down. Says, says, Lord, sit down. Because today is sixth, fifth. Tomorrow, salaries have to be paid. You look into the accounts. Looks like what Andrew and Philip said. But you know what? It's never failed us. Never, ever has failed us. And we have to stick to the word. We have to make the same announcements which he told us to make for all these years. Not to give, but how not to give. 
how not to give not to play on your emotions and to make you feel so good give it's not lottery we play with god we don't play games with god scripture is very very clear about how god operates we go into it by faith we stand on the word of god and then trust god to move the mountain he will he will he will that's what god is asking about the man born blind go to the pool of siloam and wash he's born blind Water is there everywhere. Different places. Specific. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. When he does, he gets his sight back. And Lazarus, remove that stone. Move that stone. He won't move it. He won't move it. That stone of unbelief, it's your job, my job to move it. But once we move it, you will hear in your spirit the voice of God ringing, come forth. And the resurrection life pours in. Move it. And the final one after resurrection. Scripture says they fished the whole night. Got nothing. And Jesus asked over there. Bhaiyom kuch mila. Dostom kuch mila. Did he get anything? They said nothing. He said put it on the other side. And they heard. That is the key. Christianity is not another religion. Jesus did not come to establish another religion. He did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And for that, you need to hear the voice of God. He's a living God. We've got plenty here in India. But they don't speak. Our God speaks. Faith doesn't come from the word of God. That's not how it is written. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. There is the word of God and there is the God of the word. There is the word of God and there is the God of the word and he speaks. He speaks. If he doesn't speak, then there is no point in praying. He speaks. If he doesn't speak, there is no point in reading the word. He speaks. We serve a living God who speaks to us. That's what God is talking about. Did we believe? In the wilderness, he led them to test them. Scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 to 3. It does here. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. God has also sworn something to us. He did not swear a land to us. He swore a life to us. I have come to give you life, life in abundance. But for that, what we need to do, we need to be careful to hear and to obey. Hear and to obey. And he says, you will possess that life Jesus came to give. It is there. You shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. God leads his people into the wilderness to humble them. To test you to know what was in your heart. Until we are led into situations where our resources, we don't have resources. We will never know what is in our hand, in our heart. So everybody, every child of God will be led by God into a situation where you have no control. Where you can do nothing. Your money doesn't work. Your influence doesn't work. Your strength doesn't work. Nothing works. And then you will know what is in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. Then, when times are good like this, 
It's fine to obey God. It's optional. It's good. But God says, I will test you. God knows already, but we don't know. I don't know. Until I reach certain situations, I will not know. So God says, so that you will know and make corrections, I will lead you into these situations. That is why the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is there in all four Gospels. Every of the four Gospel writers records the feeding of the 5,000. Why? Why would Jesus put it and the resurrection alone in all the four Gospels? Because that is fundamental to life. Every person in every nation today, tomorrow, till the day die, need two elements to survive. They need bread and they need water. Our physical lives are defined by do these two things. What are we working for? For bread and water. Everything ultimately is defined by this. But God is telling his children, you are more than a body. This body will perish. It will go. Doesn't matter how much you eat, how much you drink, you will perish. Your body will perish. What about your eternity? He says, there are two others. This is the symbols I have put before every man. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the bread that came from heaven, and the living water that flows from heaven. Do you recognize before you, I have said this too, my son and my spirit. And if you don't partake of this, you will die. You will die. Two symbols. Old covenant. The new covenant, he adds something which is even more in the first miracle. He makes water into wine. He says, your life shall be characterized by joy. Righteousness cannot be measured. Peace may be, others may not know. But your joy is contagious. Peace and joy. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, that's the kingdom of God. It's got nothing to do with your circumstances. It is the kingdom of God. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. So Peter, before he's supposedly to be executed very soon, a day or two days later, he's fast asleep because he's guarded by the peace of God. Paul and Silas can worship with their backs broken and legs locked in in stocks in the Philippi prison because they are not... Controlled by their circumstances. The kingdom of God is real and powerful. And scripture says all the prisoners were listening. That's what God is talking about. He leads us into situations to know whether we will obey or not. To test us so that we will know where we are. Because we all, we all may feel in our emotions, in our mind, I'm okay. You are okay. I'm okay with you, God. God says, you know what? I want to push you further. I want to push you further so that you grow with me. And if you come to verse 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. Which you didn't know. Something which you didn't know. And all of you, when he got saved and came into the house of God, you did not know this. We did not know this. For something which you didn't know. I knew every book in this, under the sky, except this. I read everything. Everything. A crazy life. Parents being English teachers. Crazy. Read everything except this. But the day I got saved, I didn't go to college for two weeks. Shut myself in and read my good news Bible over and over and over again. I realized this is something, let's use magical 
It feeds something which nothing else can feed. It satisfies the hunger nothing else can take care of. God is saying, do we look? Every word? Every word? Do we live by every word? Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Every word? Have you meditated upon the word of God and asked God to speak to me? The one who writes this, testifies to this, is faithful. And behold, he says, I come. The last but one words of the Bible. Grace and peace be to the church. Amen. Where does it begin? Where does it end? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Down, I am coming quickly. And he's faithful. Does the word of God move us? Does it excite us? This will define. Our hunger will define. Because everyone eats according to their hunger. So when they saw the miracles, they saw Pharaoh's army being destroyed, they were excited. They took the tambourines, they worshipped, they danced, everything. A little later in the desert, they ran out of water. And the songs changed. A little later, they ran out of food. They got nasty. Exodus 16. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They complained. What were they saying? Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat when we ate bread to the full. You know, memory plays tricks. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us. That's how some of you feel. Pastor, when is this word is going to end? I'm dying. See, this is memory. Another place they will say we ate freely. As if they were in the uh, the uh, resort in Egypt. And Egyptians were serving them leeks, cucumbers and fish. You know how your memory feels? When we talk about always the good old days, those days are always connected with the world and not the with the Lord. Good old days. That's what they are saying in their words. A miserable. Miserable. And God says, you know what? That's exactly what I wanted to show you, who you really are. To worship when everything goes, your enemies are defeated and uh, you're feeling so great. No big deal. Anybody, any Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, Jain, everybody will worship that way. But you are a different breed of people. Can you really worship in truth? Can you really worship God in spirit? They didn't. They were mad. And what did they say? You brought us here to kill us. It's a test. Hunger is a test. Thirst is a test. Too much food is also a test. The poor man thinks, what will I eat? The rich man thinks, what will I eat? It's a test. That's what? Exodus, the next portion. God says, tells Moses, I'm going to test you something else. The Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a certain quarter every day that I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. I'm going to give them such an abundance. I want to see that will they trust me for each day. I'm going to trust them. 
I'm telling you what people sitting in church, they got enough for the year, enough for the next year, enough for five years, and they still are worrying. Both is a test. Poverty is a test. Prosperity is a test. Lack is a test. Abundance is a test. That's why Paul says, I know what is to be content in all situations. In our language, he says, I know how to tighten my belt. I know how to loosen it. I know. I know how to fast. I know how to feast. I'm not constrained by any of these things because I know where my contentment comes from. It doesn't come from these things. That's why Jesus leads these 5,000. He's in the wilderness. The people follow him into the wilderness. From morning till evening, he teaches them. There is no food there. They are hungry. And then this miracle begins. And he says, give it to me. Sit down. Two steps from our hands. Whatever your situation is, whatever you have in your life, less or more. Less or more. Put it into his hands. Don't take it back. Subhe dete, sham ko, vapas dete. Sunday dete, afternoon, take it back. Don't do that. Put it into his hands and sit down. Sit down. We sang the song, wait on the Lord. Wait, sit down. See what God will do. Wait, be patient. Put your life into his hands and sit down. Two steps from us, four steps from him. Scripture says he took it. Whatever we give it, he will, will never say it's too little. He will not, never say it is too dirty. This boy didn't wash his stiffen well. He will never say anything about anybody. Just as we are, we come to him. He doesn't say, clean yourself and come. Work more and bring some. He never, he says, what you have, give it to me. Give it to me. And he takes it. What we give, anybody gives here today, he takes it. And he blesses it. And he breaks it. And then he gives it away. You know well, by now, right? It's everywhere it is the same. You read the four gospels. He takes, he blesses, he breaks, he gives. Takes, blesses, breaks, he gives. And then the gospel writer says on the last supper, the day before he was betrayed, he took the bread, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives. Paul will say, who wasn't there for the Last Supper, will say in 1 Corinthians 11, I, as I received from the Lord, I also give it to you. The, the day, what did the Lord do? He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. So God has an order in how he does with lives. There is an order. God, God is a God of an order. He has particular ways in which he does his things. That's why Moses will stand before God at the age of 80 and cry out to him. The most well-read, renowned man in Egypt called Moses at 80 is saying, Lord, show me thy ways. Teach me your paths. God has ways in which he does things. He takes a life. He blesses it. He breaks it. We don't know what blessing is. We don't know what breaking is. Scripture says on the road to Emmaus, two, two of the disciples were following Jesus. And no, they were walking. Jesus was with them, but they didn't recognize him. Their eyes were restrained from recognizing him. And that happens to a lot of believers. Jesus is with you. He is faithful. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But our eyes are restrained from recognizing him. 
They said when he spoke to us, didn't our hearts burn within us? But their eyes were restrained from recognizing him. You hear the word and your hearts burn, but your eyes are still not able to recognize him because something has to be done in our lives before we recognize him. They compelled him to come. Scripture says he went in, he sat with them, and scripture says he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and scripture says their eyes were opened. Immediately he disappeared. They go back to Jerusalem and tell the disciples, we have seen the Lord. And they explained to them, when he broke the bread, our eyes opened, we recognized him. It's only when you are broken by the Lord, you will actually recognize who he is. And every Christian is fighting that process in their life. We sing, but we don't want to be broken. Truth is, God has only used broken people from the beginning till the end. The others use God. God uses a set of people who are broken. Don't fight God. Because he intends to bless you, to break you, and to use you. Don't fight him. Get everything inverted in your head. Today we will look. Everything, everything, everything. From Abel till the end, there will be a set of people who fully surrender their lives into God's hands. And God broke them. God blessed them and broke them and gave them. Think of the names you can remember. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Fifty chapters in the book of Genesis. Seven people used by God. Fifty chapters. Generations from Adam till Joseph. Generations. Seven people mentioned. Just seven. In Hebrews 11. Just seven. Because all these people, you look into their lives, what defines them? They surrendered. Some gradually, some completely, and they were broken and they became a blessing to multitudes. All of them. All of them. The old nature, our old nature has to be broken. It's not my friend, it's not your friend. Galatians 5.17 is very clear. The flesh fights lust against the spirit. It fights the spirit. The flesh is like a river. It only wants to flow down. It does never wants to. It always is looking to escape. Look at any way the water flows. It always flows where there is least resistance. And the spirit is trying to take us higher and higher with God. And the flesh fights it. Scripture says the flesh fights against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. These are contrary. They don't work together. They don't. That's why in Corinthians 5, we saw a bit of it in on Wednesday in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. No one. No one is regarded according. I will not preach to your flesh. My job is not to make you happy. No. My job is to please him. And I cannot please him unless I have spoken to your spirit and not to your flesh. We will not regard anyone according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus. He said, I don't even want to know Jesus in the flesh. What a man. I want to know him in the spirit. We are very romantic about Jesus. No. 
We are not romantic about Jesus. John on whom his chastity leaned on the last supper, who loved him so much, writes all these letters about this thing. When he sees him in the island of Patmos, he falls like one dead. There was no romance there. Seven of the two, five of the two churches when Jesus visits, his word to all of them is, repent. I'm not pleased with you. To one who is pleased, but they are going through the fire, he says, you will be there ten more days. I'm not taking you out. To the church in Philadelphia, he says, you're very weak, but you have held on to the truth. You have not betrayed my name. Therefore, I will keep you from the trouble that is coming upon the whole world. You come to the seventh church, Laodicea, everything is inverted. They think one thing, God thinks the contrary about them. In every six churches, Jesus goes inside, checks out on them. When it comes to the seventh church, Jesus is not inside. He is outside asking for entry. That's how the church ends. Why? Because of this flesh. We cater to the flesh. Ministry of the word, God's word is not to the flesh. It is to the spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life to those who receive it. Worshippers are those who worship God in spirit and in truth. So don't allow the flesh to dictate terms. Because anybody who is in Jesus Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything old. Even how we look at life has to change. Everything has changed. Nothing is the same anymore. Everything has changed. For those who got baptized in the Holy Spirit this week, praise God, I thank God. But that's just the beginning. Just a beginning. It is like our phone vouchers. It's just a top up. You know what it means? If I come to God with this cup is almost full, how much can he fill me? Unless I am emptied continuously, he cannot keep filling me. Jesus was filled without measure because he was broken and emptied without measure. It's just a beginning. Just a beginning. Just a beginning. Go back to God and say, empty me, Lord, of my flesh. Fill me, Lord, more and more that I may be able to walk as your son walked in obedience to the will of the Father. Because what characterizes the life of a true child of God is obedience. Therefore, God leads us into situation. He breaks us so that we can empty ourselves, so that he can fill us more. Fill us more. When persecution arose in Jerusalem, they were beaten up. The apostles were flogged. They were put in prison. What did they say? They went back, straight back to God. And they cried out to God. And what does Acts 4.31 says? When they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all Aren't these guys who got filled in the upper room? How did they get filled all over again? Because now their situation has caused them to empty even further. And you fill them even more. And now even more boldness, they go out and they preach. Even more. Even more. So God leads us into situations not to destroy us, but to fill us so that we can become even more useful in the hands of God. Even more. And the result. Where is the result seen? The result is seen. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Because what does the devil want to do? Shut down the word of God. That's all he wants. It doesn't matter as long as you sing. It doesn't matter to him as long as you pray. 
He does a dance. You do whatever you want. As long there is no faith in it, he has no issues. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. He wants to silence the word of God because he knows it was the word of God that defeated him. So you will remain awake for one and a half hours of worship. But when 10 minutes of word starts, you start nodding off. Why? Understand. 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 When all of you call me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling to read my word. How come not a novel? That's why Paul says, we understand the ways of the devil. We prepare ourselves. We know this is a spiritual battle. We know what defeated the devil and we are not going to let him defeat us. It is the word. It is the word. Focus because faith comes from hearing and hearing. Then it changes your worship. Then it changes your prayer life. Then it changes your entire life. Because the only thing God is looking for and he says when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Unless our eyes are opened. Unless our eyes are opened, we will not really see. In Luke chapter 24, verse 35, they told him about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. That's how they recognized. In the breaking of bread. Something else after, happened after that. In Luke 24, 45, after that, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. So many things are happening here. See how God is doing? First, what did he do with these apostles after resurrection? John chapter 20, verse 22. He says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. That's what he did. What he did with Adam, he did with them. Breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he opened their eyes so they could understand the scriptures. They understood the scriptures. Now suddenly they understood, oh my gosh, this is what he was teaching me for three and a half years. Then what did he tell them? Wait in Jerusalem. Don't go. Wait in Jerusalem. You wait in Jerusalem, what will happen? You will be endured with power. Wait. This is still not even. You have received the spirit. Born again. Your eyes have been opened that you understand scripture. Not enough. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it do? So that you shall be my witnesses, not workers. Not workers, witnesses. We witness somebody else. We are meant to be a witness of somebody else's life. My witnesses. We'll come back to that later. And 50 days later, after this resurrection, scripture says, after 10 days of waiting, we know what 10 means in the Bible. They judge their flesh. They judge their flesh. They judged their flesh. And scripture says by the end of 10 days, 120 were there. They were of one accord. Oneness had come. All their haggling over right seat and left seat and I want to this thing. Everything is gone. One accord. And the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came. And he came upon them with power. With power. He came upon them as fire. Rested, I believe, on their heads. Because the fire has to first fall on our heads. Our thinking changes. All that junk from the past life has to be burned off. And we have to start thinking as God thinks. When your thinking changes, what changes? Your conversation changes. What you think is what you speak. That is why it came as tongues of fire. Because scripture says, if any man is able to control his tongue, he is a perfect person. 
So it came as tongues of fire. Scripture says came. But how do you know? How do we know? You have to learn from Jesus, learn from the apostles, learn from them. How do we know what characterized their life? That they continued in that way. The danger I see in ministry is that people begin well, and they finish terribly. Somewhere around the road, like our marathon, 25,000 will start and five or six will finish. And Christendom has become like that, a whole plain of unfinished houses. What characterized Jesus' life? What characterized the apostles' lives? You know, go to Psalm 138 and verse 2. I will worship you towards the holy temple. Praise your name for your loving kindness, your truth. That's our part. For you have magnified your word about all your name. All your name. You have magnified your word about all your name. That's the key. You look into Jesus' life, you look into the apostles' life, they had two things. One, they magnified his word and their prayer life. Look at these two and we will know where we are going as an individual. As a church, it's a different thing. Nobody can measure. As an individual. Examination is for individuals. Where am I going? Check your word life. Check your prayer life. He has exalted his word above all his name. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, many will come to me that day and say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. He said, I don't know you. You did it in my name. My power was there. I agree. My name has power. But you contradicted my word. You contradicted You never surrendered to my word. You never really heard my spirit. You never obeyed. So you will see Jesus, he always lifted the word of his father. Always. And it was defined by his prayer life. Let's look that in the pattern we see about Jesus. Okay, so that our thinking changes. I'm just giving you a snippet from one of his great sermons. Matthew 5, just chapter 1, uh, 5 verses 1 to 3. Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. That's the difference between Jesus and pastors like us. We see, like multitudes. He goes away from multitudes. Pastors get excited when they see crowds. Jesus got I'm not saying God disgusted, but he knew these crowds are not going to pay the price. Whenever he saw the crowds, he looked up and said, okay, you want to follow me? These are the conditions. All of them left him. He went up the mountain and when he was seated, scriptures doesn't say the multitudes came to him. The disciples came to him. Who came? Disciples. So Sundays we preach to the multitudes. Wednesdays we preach to the disciples. But some disciples have to be brought. Once you're free, I want to see whether you will still come. The disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them. Then he taught. Teaching is for the disciples. It's not for the multitudes. Multitudes want miracles. They want bread. They want their bellies satisfied. But teaching is for the disciples. Be a disciple. Climb up the mountain. Go up. It's hard work. It's not easy. Sitting in the plains is easy. Sitting down in the grass is easy. Climb and learn. He will teach us. If you are willing, he will teach us. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying. What is it? Blessed. Blessed are poor in the spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. As soon as we read this, we decide that's enough. That's not what I learned from Moses. 
Moses said, he shall leave you lands, promised land, one plot, pakka, houses you didn't build, cattle you didn't own, wells you didn't dig, gold and iron and silver. I came for that, because that's what the gospel is preached today. And now you are saying, blessed are the poor in the spirit. The question is, how do I know? I'm not talking about you. I'm, how do I know? I am poor in the spirit. Because this is important for me. If I am poor in the spirit, then I am blessed. Am I right mathematically, Vijay? That's how an equation works, right? If I am poor in the spirit, then I am blessed. How do I know I am poor in the spirit? Simply look at the poor in the flesh. Told you on Wednesday, go to any place in Hyderabad. Do you see the beggars coming to your car? Are they ashamed? They're not ashamed. They will knock on your window if you're in a car and they're not ashamed. You can say anything to them, they will still say, Amma. 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 They're not ashamed. The poor in the flesh are not ashamed. You shout at them, they are not bothered. They will still tarry until you give them something. They are not ashamed, they are stubborn. That's in the flesh. God says, are you poor in the spirit? Are you... It doesn't show in your prayer life. Lord, I cannot live without you. When Jesus said in John chapter 15, you can do nothing without me. Do we really believe? Did you believe? Did you believe last night? Did you believe this morning? I cannot do. I need you. It will reflect in our prayer life. It will reflect in our word life. We are not searching here for nuggets which we can use. We are looking here to feed our hunger because without you, I have no strength. Without you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I can do nothing. Are we really hungry? Are we really poor in the spirit? You read the Bible of what Jesus speaks, your entire concept about what is blessed changes. Entire concept about what blessed changes. Are we really blessed? Are we? Are we really hungry? Are we really thirsty? Are we? Philippians 2 verses 5 to 9 says, Have this mind of Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What we do is that we take that mind and start claiming things. That's not the mind. He was being in the form of God and did not consider robbery to be equal with God. What did he do? Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation. We want a reputation. He made himself of no reputation. We try to guard our reputation. He made himself of no reputation. Why? Because he was poor in the spirit. Taking the form of a bond servant. Bond servant. Entirely dependent upon his father. Every day. Entirely dependent. If you want to know somebody was really poor in the spirit, look at Jesus. He was poor. He made, NIV will say, he made himself nothing. While everybody is trying to become something. Five months of ministry, then a new ministry is named with your name in the middle.
One year later, you have those publicity vans with your pastor and the wife sitting this thing going around. He made himself into nothing. Nothing. Took the form of a bond. Who is a bond servant? Who is a servant? Who is always looking at the lips of his master? What do you want me to do? 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 Do we, we, do we see his spiritual life? Have you read about his spiritual life? This bond servant, when he made himself a bond servant, scripture will say, made himself obedient to death, death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. But the problem is, we read words, the beginning, have this mind of Christ Jesus, and then go straight to lifted him up. And we miss the middle. We want the mind, and then we want to be lifted up immediately. God says, you do you see the process? you see the process? You know, when he came onto the earth, we don't know when he said it, but it's written in scripture, in Hebrews 10, scripture says, yeah, 10. Therefore, when he came into the world, interesting, right? This is what writers of the gospel hear in the spirit. When Jesus said it, nobody knows, but they know it is said because it is scripture. What did he say? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. You prepared a body for me. Two concepts. One, God gave him a physical body. Two, God has given him a spiritual body. He prepared a body for me. For what? In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. He's not looking for sacrifice here. What does the scripture say? Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written about me. What is written? I have come to do your will, O God. In the volume of this book is written about everyone in the body of Christ. Behold, O Lord, I have come to do your will, not my will. That's why when they asked him to teach us to pray, he said, this is how you pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. On earth. But our prayers are not that. Our prayers are, Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this. All are good things, not bad things necessarily. And at the end, we put in Jesus' name, it is my will be done in your power. Son never asked that. He said, Lord, thy will be done. A body you have prepared for me. And in the volume of the book, it is written. How do I know I do your will? Because it is written. It is written. It is written. That's why we meditate upon the word of God. Not to see what you can get out of it. Going to see how much more I can surrender to the will of God. Because in the volume of this book is written about every one of you. Because we were in that body. In that body. All of us are in that body. That's what God is asking. Until we fundamentally change our thinking, nothing is going to happen. We'll be good people, nice people, live nicely, die nicely and awake to startling this thing. I miss my crown. I miss my crown because my theology was all warped. I am saved because of his work. I am lost because of my work. The word... And his prayer life, just check Jesus. What is the first thing written about Jesus as he is growing up? We know it very well. Isaiah chapter 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Written about Jesus. Isaiah prophesies about how Jesus will be when he is born in the flesh and lives like us, emptied of all his glory, come as the bond servant. You have given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to whom he is weary. 
How did he get the tongue of the learned? By going to a spoken English course? No. Morning by morning he awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Morning by morning he awakened me. Did you wake up this morning? The first thing when I look, when I send you the church WhatsApp, I first go to see who all have woken up. And this morning at before four in the morning, only one person was woken up in all of GTC because his son is in the ICU. The rest were sleeping. Exactly at four, I sent today's devotion. I'm not saying you have to work according to your time. There are no rules like that. But I'm saying you work according to your rules, according to your schedule. But let him, I say, dear brethren, waken you up morning by morning. Of course, he has a word for you. It's a living word. He has something to tell you. And scripture says, the son of God, the very son of God, who was the word in the beginning and word eternal now, never was rebellious. He woke up and he was taught. And therefore he had a hearing here and a learner tongue. It was not that God just gave him a gift and he came. No, he was an obedient son. And he said, I did not turn away. I did not turn away. This was his word life. This was his word life. Morning by morning, Father, teach me. So that I know a day will come, your appointed time will come, when I have to go forth and speak, and I will know what to speak, because I am putting it into my heart. Then when the time comes, the Spirit will bring it out and give. What can the Spirit bring out what has not been put in? We say the Spirit will bring to remembrance. Yes, remembrance, but do you, have you read? Have you read? Have you deposited something into your spirit so the spirit of God can bring it out when your need arises? Morning by morning awakens me. Learned here, hearing here, and a learned tongue. That was Jesus. That was the apostles. That is what defined their life. And that is what should define our lives. How he uses us, where he uses us, it's his sovereignty. But our job is to be prepared. A willing vessel. I will be taught of you, O Lord. I am here. I have surrendered. I will be taught of you. How is, how is our prayer life? You know, the first thing you hear about Jesus in the public, the first thing you hear about Jesus recorded in the public, the first thing recorded when he's 12 years old, his parents lost him. His parents lost him. His father had kept him. Okay? In the temple. You know what happens? What is the first thing written? So it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the Teachers, both listening, listen, listen. God has put teachers in your midst. Listen. The first thing written about the Son of God who was the Word eternal when he came in the flesh, he was listening. He knew better than his teachers. He kept his mouth shut. He asked questions. He never contradicted. He never judged them. Nothing. He listened and asked questions. Ask questions. Listen. Ask questions. Listen carefully and have questions. You should have questions. If you are a student of the word who is listening, you will have questions. Jesus asked questions. His parents come and says, how could you do this to me? He said, you do. Why were you searching for me? I am at my father's business. The mother says, your father and I. He says, hang on mommy, a second. I am at my father's business. What is the father's business? For all of us, sit there and listen to the teaching. Listen. So that one day the father can entrust his business into our hands. Listen. Learn. 
You are young, but learn. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit of God is hovering right from the beginning it is written. He hovered, hovered over the emptiness. He hovered of the waters. But he will not do nothing, though he has the power to do it, until the word comes. Then God says, let there be light. The Spirit moves. What is the Spirit looking for today? Your problems? Your suffering? No. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you have the word? Do you believe in the word? Not what your emotions say, what your spirit says. Do you believe? Do you believe? The devil was defeated by the written word that was spoken. It is written. Three verses from the book of Deuteronomy, which most people don't even read. He's finished. Three strokes and he's out. You don't need. The Holy Spirit has to give you what is the word to be used as a weapon for your circumstances. For that, our job is to deposit the word. His job is to bring into our remembrance. Then our job is to vocalize it. Because they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And their heart, they did not love their lives even unto death. The heart, the mouth, and the work of the Lord comes together. But this is the key. For he has exalted his word above all his name. Bow all his name. Go back to the basics. As Jesus did. As the apostles did. Don't neglect this. The son of God. Studied the word for 30 years. For a three and a half years ministry. Today we study the word for three years. In a Bible seminary. For a 30 years ministry. I'm not saying. There's anything wrong with it. But. Oh, brethren, don't neglect the word of God. Don't neglect the word of God. Because faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. So scripture says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. How did Abel, how come you offered this? Where did you hear it? He would have said, I heard. This is what pleases God. I heard. By faith, Abel offered. Seven verses about a man who walked with God for 300 plus years, Enoch. Four in the Old Testament. Three in the New Testament. Enoch. Four in the Old Testament. One in Hebrews, one in Jude. Uh, Two in Jude. Seven verses about a man who walked with God. Can you imagine? Seven verses all. But he walked with God for 300 plus years. And what changed his walk? He had a son whose name was Melchizedek. Why did he name it? I'm definitely sure God told him, name him Melchizedek. Which means, when he dies, judgment will come. When you learn to walk in the judgment of God, you will also learn to walk with God. Therefore Jude says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, was taken alive because he learned to walk under the judgment of God. He judged himself daily. Corinthians Paul will say, if you judge yourself daily, you won't be judged with the world. How do we judge ourselves daily if we don't have a life that is constrained? We see that's a constraint, but defined by the word of God and the spirit of God. We judge. We judge. So Abel worship by faith. Enoch walked by faith. Noah walked by faith. The third person. 
in God's history. Worked by faith. And you go back in scripture, everywhere it is written, Noah did exactly according to what God told him. So he had to hear, right? Then you come to the fourth person who lives 100 years in the promised land. Scripture says he lived by faith. Take your worship. Take your walk. Take your work. Put it together in a box and see, is it by faith? Because the righteous shall live by faith and faith alone. By faith alone. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And that's why we exalt this word. Not preaching. We exalt this word in our personal lives. We listen. We study. We read. So that God can speak to us. So Jesus in his, in his high priestly prayer. He prays this over them and over us. In John 17, 17 he says. Sanctify them by their truth. For your word is the truth. What is the truth? His word. Sanctify. We want to be sanctified. How can I be sanctified? How can I be sanctified? How, what does the Holy Spirit use to sanctify you and me? Everybody doesn't just, you, when you go for a shower, you use the scrubber and the soap, right? That's what Malachi says. He sits there like a refiner's fire and the launderer's soap. What does he use? What does he use? What is the water? What is that he uses? He uses the word. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is the truth. In Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul is talking about the husbands and the wives, he's actually talking about Christ and the church. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. By the word. And... That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. What does it? The working of the Holy Spirit through the word. Through the word. Does that define our lives? Can we handle the word? Can we handle truth? Can we handle it? Because the gospel is offensive to the natural man. Extremely offensive. John the Baptist wasn't a politically correct preacher. He was offensive. You brood of vipers. Can you stand if, like Peter and still stand there humble if God were to call you Satan? Get behind me. Go tell that fox. Gospel is. You see if you have really died in your baptism, nothing can offend you because you are dead. And everything that is offensive to you is offensive to the flesh because the flesh exalts itself. Exalts itself. Jesus was deliberately offensive to draw out faith to see, really believe. A Canaanite woman begging for a child's life. Jesus said, bread is for the dogs. For the dogs. Any of us, if I were to tell you, Pastor, pray for me, you'll say, that's for dogs. You'll walk away. She said, even dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. He looked at her and said, wow. Wow. You got it. You're not offended. And you have faith. You believe. Go. Child, you see. Can we be? Because all around the world, we have a politically correct culture. Names and this thing. You cannot call anybody by what they are actually you are. You have to give them nice names. You are struggling with certain sexual tendencies. You are gay. Bible doesn't call it. It's automate. 
you will not enter into heaven. I'm sorry. I'm not politically correct. I may not be allowed to preach in many nations in the world because I'm not, I am okay. I would rather be correct with God than correct with man. No. Because I love you too much to see you perishing in hell because of a lifestyle. Oh, they are living together. No, you're a fornicator. Call it by name. Like a doctor calls a disease by name. Then only healing will come. It's not to offend. So our flesh is offended. It's because he loved them. And we don't love people. We love ourselves. Our issue is we want the appreciation of people. We don't love people. Jesus did not want the appreciation of people, but he loved people. He loved people. He loved people. Can we handle truth? Can we really handle truth? Because scripture says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everybody wants life, but when you are put in the way to life, you have to encounter truth every day of your life. Can we handle truth? Oh, when this woman at the Samaritan well, the Samaritan woman at the well was thrilled when Jesus said, this water, if you take, you will thirst no more. She said, wow, good idea. I don't have to come anywhere over here. And Ashwini said, give me that. He said, go get your husband and come. Why do you need your husband to get water? She said, I have no husband. What did he say? Truly you have spoken. You had five husbands living with the sixth one. Can any prophet prophesy over a new, uh, today's Christian like that? You had five boyfriends, you're living with the sixth one today? They will say you are a rogue. You have to tell them, the Lord is telling me, you're prosperous, you're blessed, you are this thing. Otherwise they will not receive anything. That's not how prophets came in the old or the new or even Jesus himself. He loved them to set them free. And you cannot be set free unless you receive the truth about yourself. Pull at bed, said, do you want to get well? No, the angel stirs somebody. Do you want to get well? I didn't ask you about excuses, what others do. I'm asking you, do you want to get well? I'm not asking what your husband did. I'm asking you, do you want to get well? I'm not asking what your wife did. I'm asking you, do you want to get well? Every day we'll encounter truth. And we allow the truth to change us. God says, more of my son's life will flow into your life. You are able to withstand the circumstance of your life. You grow stronger and stronger in the inner man. On the other hand, if you are a cotton candy Christian, all you can say, I asked and I received, I asked and I received. What does scripture say about them in Psalm 106 and verse 15? You know what it says about the children of Israel? They'll say, whatever we ask, God gave us. What does scripture say? He gave them what he, but he sent wasting disease, a leanness into their soul. That is KJV. The soul was lean. Can we handle persecution when it comes? Can we handle? That's what the hundred years ago, eighty years ago, the Chinese Christians said. All of the American missionaries came and preached to us until rapture is coming. Rapture didn't come. Mao Zedong came. And they chopped our heads off. Millions fell away from the faith. Those who survived clung to Christ and today you have the world's largest church ever. Because they taught them how to stand there in the faith. Jude will say, contend for the faith which was handed once and for all to the saints. Contend, fight for the real thing. Because you do not know how times will change. 
Many, many nations are changing the law. We are waiting for the Antichrist to come, but we already see the spirit flourishing. The scripture says when he comes, he will change the laws. The laws are being changed. Most constitution in the world was founded on the Judeo-Christian foundation. Laws are being changed. What is the ultimate objective? To outlaw this book, because this goes against the laws of the land. That's why I said, memorize it. Your system will crash. This will they take away. What you have hidden in your heart, no one can take away. No one can take away. You cannot take it away. Hide it in your heart. Keep it there. You read the records of the men of God of our generation, Richard Wombrand, 14 years in the prison, hearing from the loudspeaker daily, 8 hours standing there, you are not even allowed to lean, standing here, God is dead, God is dead, God is dead, communism is real, communism came out stronger in the faith than he went in, because he had hidden the word of God in his heart. Happen in our times. Happen in our times. Listen to Corrie ten Boom and her sister. Stripped, as the Nazis did, stripped them. Walking in that line in the concentration camp, the sister is standing there ashamed because she has been stripped. And Corrie is also stripped and they are walking. And then the word of the Lord comes to him and she says, Corrie, he hung there naked. He hung there naked. If he hung there naked, we can walk naked, Corrie. We can walk naked. That's how the spirit gives you strength in the hour of your trial. Then scripture came, where it is written, he hung there naked. Oh, all the artists cover him nicely. My brethren, that's not how he hung there. He hung there naked, scripture says. And for his name's sake, many have been stripped and taken out as prisoners naked, hoping that would shame them. They were not ashamed of their Lord. Therefore, they did not forsake him. Understand how scripture works. Understand what is happening in one part of this nation and coming to the other. I'm not going to create cotton candy Christians here. You will be strong for the Lord. And if you fall, it will not be told because I didn't teach you. I can stand before the Lord and say, I've given the full counsel of God. I got nobody's blood on my hands. I've taught you what is the word of God. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Stand there strong. When the hour of need comes, stand there. And God will gather others. I work with brothers who have been, been in prison and they were in prison for speaking the name of Jesus. And they did not come out of prison like that. By the time they left the prison, they baptized other prisoners who saw their life, saw their testimony and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not willing to go to prison, how will the prisoners hear the word? If Paul and Silas could have said no, Paul and Silas, after they were released and the city dwellers came to release him, they said, we will not come. We are Roman citizens. And they were afraid. We arrested and flogged the Romans. Why didn't he say in the beginning? Hey, don't strip me. I'm a Roman citizen. They would have left him. No, the Spirit of God said, take it and go in. I have a work for you inside. That's how you hear from the Lord. Because there are prisoners inside who need to be set free. And if you and I are not willing to go in there, they will never hear the gospel. Scripture says, when they worship in the midnight hour, everybody's chains came off. When we go in and worship the Lord in that place, their chains will come up. But are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Be prepared. When we give something into his hands, we completely surrender. When you put this money into your hands, it is surrendered. It's gone. It's not yours. You cannot come and tell me, Pastor, that is mine. I want half of it back. No. It's gone. 
It's no longer under your control how it's going to be spent. When you put your life into God's hands, it's no longer under your control how he will spend it. Leave it in his hands. He is Lord, he's sovereign, he will choose to spend it. One he may prosper, another may he bring down. It is his sovereignty. One prince he will take from the throne of Pharaoh, put him in the wilderness and make him a shepherd for 80 years. Another shepherd he will pick from the wilderness and make him a king for 40 years. That is his sovereignty. It's not mine or yours to choose what he does with us. Our job is to put our life into his hands and sit down. Let him do what he's fit. That's what surrender means. Not partial. Don't do this partial kind of business. We are new covenant people, not old covenant people. As we learn more and more, let there be more consecration, more surrender in our lives. Because the world is looking for authenticity. Men and women who are on fire for their God. You don't need English. You don't need grammar. D.L. Moody, even his last sermon was full of grammar mistakes. But God used him in his generation more than anybody else. The man who came here, hiding in a boat, because the East India Company wanted money. They did not want missionaries coming in. The law was passed against so that missionaries didn't come in. He came hidden in a boat and he was just a cobbler. Do you have a university today there in his name? How many hundreds and hundreds of pastors have come out of that university because of one man? was not literate. But he had surrender. He had surrender. If you read your Bible in your local languages, in your regional languages, was my Bible written by a Malayali? No, it was written by a German who came to Kerala, learned the language and translated from the authentic tongue to my language. Wasn't Telugu also translated that way? It was not written by Telugu Pandit. It was written by a missionary who came and lived among us and died among us and learned the language and translated because they know if a man has the word of God, nothing can set him, hold him back again. Nothing. Nothing. This is the power of God in our hands. Make use of it now. Make use of it. Let it define your life. Let it define your life. Let nothing offend you. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, Jesus says, oh sorry. Okay, 11.6. 6.11 is give us this daily bread and 11.6 is, blessed is the man who is not offended because of me. That's it. Blessed is the man who is does not stumble, different translations, is offended because of me. Who is this me? The word of God. And the word of God actually starts becoming true in your life and things are not going the way. It is the word of God. And you get offended. You get upset. Who is he talking about? He's talking about his good, wonderful cousin, John. And he said about John, of all that is born of woman, that's the greatest. The greatest is upset because he's in jail now. When he was preaching, crowds came. And he was a fire and brimstone preacher, afraid of nobody, Herod arrests him, puts him in the jail. And then he calls his disciples and asks them, what does he ask them? Are you the one to come or should we look for somebody else? Isn't this the one who pointed and said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Why are you doubting now, John? Because the word of God proved true in your life and you are in jail because of the word you preached. Are you upset? Are you upset? So all your experiences are worth nothing if you don't hold on to the word, right? You Aren't you the guy who baptized Jesus? Yeah. Do you remember what happened when you baptized Jesus? Were you baptizing the Son of God? Yes. Didn't you hear the voice of the Father? 
Yes. Didn't you see the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove? Yes. What happened to you? Jesus said, go and tell John. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see. What is he talking? He said, go tell him to read the book of Psalms and the book of Isaiah. When the Son of Man comes, what will happen? I'm not giving him anything more than the word to stand on. Stand on the word. That's enough. That's enough. My people shall live by faith and not by sight of feelings. I have a, I have a, my personal piece of advice is when you give your life into Jesus' hands and when you sit down, buy this airtight plastic watch, no, that ziplock, put your emotions in it and sit on it. Emotions are good servants and terrible masters. Terrible masters. That's what happens when after all the experiences and you are the forerunner pointing man to God, when emotions take over, this is what happens. You get offended by the word. Don't get offended. This is a man who is truly blessed. For all you may say about Peter, one thing I like about Peter, he was never offended by whatever Jesus called him. Never offended. Don't get offended by the word. because That's the word that can save you. Jesus did not get your get your theology right. Jesus did not say everyone will reign with him. Did he say? No. Bible is very clear. On the contrary, it actually says in John chapter 8 and verse 7, if you are children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we, we don't like this. We take this out. No. Are we willing to suffer with it? Are we willing to suffer with it? I'm not talking the suffering or persecution. No, that's not for everybody. Some nations, entire generation has lived without having going, going through that. I'm not talking about that alone. There is another suffering that is destined for every true child of God. Every child of God. You know what? What does Hebrews 5 and verse 8 say? Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Things which he suffered. Deepika, if I were to tell you in the evening, Deepika, take this 50 rupees, go and buy an ice cream, she'll be very happy, right? If I tell her, sit down and study for five hours. There is suffering. If you tell your child, I'm going out, okay? Here is your Pepsi, here is your chips. Watch IPL till I come back. Is there suffering in it? But you can say he's obedient. Is there any suffering in that obedience? No, your suffering comes when you have to do all those things that is contrary to your flesh. There is suffering in it. If you have to wake up in the morning like Jesus woke up in the morning, there is suffering in the flesh for it. And he was obedient. Morning by morning you awakened me. And he didn't say, shh, don't wake me up. You know who I am. I know the word. I am the word. Morning by morning. Morning by morning. Obedience is suffering. And it's suffering to the flesh. Most Christians have not even obeyed the first act. Act. On the day of Pentecost. First act. What shall we do? They were cut to the heart. What shall we do? Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did Peter preach? Stop preaching there? No. 
He preached and preached and preached and preached and preached. Everything is not written. What he preached the whole day, we have no clue. But one line is given about the sum total of what he preached. What is that? Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved. Every generation is a perverse generation. If Peter's generation was perverse, today's is abomination. What did he say? Get out from that perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. Did you receive that word? If you walk like a duck, talk like a duck, quack like a duck, you must be a duck, right? You look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, see the same things the world does, listen to the same things the world listens, and eat the same things the world eats. You must be a duck. Did you did you come out? Come out is the cry from the beginning till the end. Come out. Come out. In Revelation 18, before the end comes, 18, for the cries I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, come out. Come out. Don't share in her sins. Don't share in her sins. Come out. Lest you receive her plagues. Those plagues are not for you. Those plagues are for her. But if you don't come out, you will share in her plagues. Come out. Why? Why does the cry of God come from generation to generation? Come out, come out, be sanctified, then I will send you back to them. But you will not go as you were before. Why? You know what? The world is, scripture says, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Why? No one buys her merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet, every kind of citrus wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, and cinnamon, and incense, and fragrant oil, frankincense, wine, and oil, and fine flour, why, why with cattle, sheep, horses, and chariots, and Oh, wait a second. Bodies and souls of men. You know how the system works? You know how the system works? What is that Babylon has built which has not been built on the souls of men? Go to your makeup kit and look at it and ask the Lord what is it made of? Of the tissues of the fetuses we about it. What is your drinks made of to make you addicts? This is Babylon which is built on the souls and the bodies of men. Oh, I wear my shirt and say, Wow! Where is it made? In the sweatshops of China. Everything. Millions and millions herded into rooms for a pittance they are given under communist control. And you will say, wow, God says, do you know? Do you know? Just bought with the bodies and souls of men. Oh, you will drive in Africa. Oh, what a wonderful six-lane highway China has built. How did they build it? Did they bring their labor from China? Yes. What's labor? It's slave labor. I saw it in Nepal. They bring in their gangs and it is all free. We are helping the third world. No, you are not helping. It is built on the bodies and the souls of men. God says, don't be part of it. Don't be part of it. Be content. Be content. Look up. Look up before you receive anything. Look up. Look up. Because every perfect and good gift comes from above. Above. Look up. 
You know what this world is made of? When the rapture takes place, when the judgment day, God will show his people. Do you know what this Babylon was built on? Bodies and the souls of men. Oh, people stand in line to pay hundreds of rupees to pay a Hollywood. Now all the smuck is coming out. Coming out. How Hollywood is built on. With proof. Built on the bodies and souls of men and women. Is this what you want to? Is this what you want to? Let me ask you. Is there anything that is sold today without the advertisement appealing to your lust? How is it sold? How is it marketed? They are not women for them. That's just bodies to appeal to your senses so that you will buy the product. Brethren, we are not of this world. We are not of Babylon. We are a set of people who have been called out, set apart and sent into the world to separate our people back to God. God needs that consecration. God is looking for that kind of consecration. We have no attachment to this world. That's why James 1.17 says, Look up. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Everything. Today it is different. Today this bag goes into your hands and comes back to me. All I can do is make the announcements. Don't give, don't give, don't give, don't give, don't give. Give only in this way. After that, I am clear. But in the old days, that's not how it happened. Money was brought and put at the feet of the apostles. And Peter will look straight and says, You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to the Holy Spirit. Do you know in how many of our churches when offering comes, they will say, not you, not you, not you. The Lord says, don't put your money in. It's a bundle, bundle running into thousands and thousands. Don't put. The Lord says, don't put. Because a lot of people give out of guilt. God doesn't want a guilt offering. His son was already poor. He wants repentance. And he wants a cheerful giver. No. Come out of Babylon and the ways of Babylon. That's why Timothy, Paul writes to his young, young men, prodigy, Timothy, he tells them in Timothy, 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 godliness with contentment is great gain, Timothy. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And 50 of our entire church in one of our underground churches was killed and there was nothing we could do. We just told them, dig a grave with a bulldozer and bury them. It doesn't matter, let them go. Them go. Body means nothing. Their soul is with the Lord. Bury them. It's nothing. We carry nothing. Having food and clothing. It is. Are you not covered? Very well covered for each day. Doesn't almost all of you have at least seven pairs of clothing? Three meals a day? Content. Hallelujah. I have more than most people. 30% of India is 1.2 billion. 30% of India is 400 million people. More than the entire population of US doesn't have a meal a day. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Understand. Get the gospel right. That's why I'm talking to you from the new covenant and not from the old. Look at what the new covenant says. Peter will say in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11. Beloved, I beg you, 
I beg you. As what? Sojourners and pilgrims. He can only beg those who understand I'm just passing through. I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just a pilgrim. You know, India is very famous for pilgrimages. You know. Now December will begin for that shrine in Kerala. Seen them? Where they're going by train? Where they're going by plane? What do they have? One bundle on their head. That's all. Why? Where are they going? They're going for pilgrimage. You know. Do we know we are pilgrims? Oh, we thank God for what he has given us. But we don't hold to anything. Anything. Hold on to anything. Because we brought nothing. Take nothing. We are content with what God gives us. Whatever he gives us, we just want to give away more and more because we are blessed to be a blessing. We are not just blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. We thank God for the freedom we have. We have the freedom to worship. We have the freedom to worship. But our hearts, our souls, how do we experience? Do we experience as they experience? I am free, but I am not free. If I am standing here and my hand is caught in the door, am I free? I'm not free. Yet I am free. But am I free? No. Look at Hebrews 13 and verse 3. Remember though prisoners as if chained with them. Even when they are writing free, there are other servants of God and brethren who are chained. He says, you are chained with them. Remember. One body. One body. One body. We chained with them in North Korea. We chained with them in China. We are chained with them in Afghanistan. We are chained with them all through the Middle East. We are chained with them in Nigeria. We chained with them. We are. We are not separate. We are one with them. We are chained with them. I have my freedom, but I am bound with them. If I am bound, and those who are missed since you yourself are in that body, also, if you are in that body also, where will it show? Where will it show? It will show in your prayer life. You, all on the WhatsApp group, a father asked for prayer for a baby yesterday. He has four children. Where is the father? Where is the father? With one. Why? That baby is in the ICU. Where are we? Where are we? Where is our heart? God has given us enough. All we are asking is still more, 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 more. God says, your brethren are lying in prison. Remember them in your prayers. You're chained with them. Chained with them. Do you have possessions? God bless you. All those who have possessions. Do you have possessions? What does scripture say? Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, when your eyes were opened to the reality of this gospel, you endured great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Then, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Oh, we read, if anyone gives a cup of water 
to somebody in my my servant in my name you will receive the reward of a hallelujah given many cups wait brother if i am your pastor and i am in north korea i am in prison if you give me a cup of water you come into the prison with me and you may die there are you willing are you willing that's what paul says in his final letter all of asia has abandoned me I'm all alone, rotting in a Roman prison. Onesiphorus alone searched through prison after prison after prison until he found Paul and he refreshed me. The end of a great man. All of my churches have abandoned me. Luke is far away. Timothy, come quickly. Winter is coming. I am cold with Timothy. Bring my coat. Bring my parchments, Timothy. What does secular history say? Church history say before Timothy came, his head was taken off. And he says, Timothy, in my first defense, I'm in court in chains. Nobody stood by me, Timothy. I don't hold it against him because the Lord himself stood by me, Timothy, and strengthened me. Get it right here. Get it right here. Get the right gospel. This is the gospel. Because we are alien sojourners here. And we have a hint, we are part of a large body. And if our eyes are not open, our ears are not open, the Holy Spirit cannot wake you up and say, get up on. And you say, Lord, it is two in the morning. He said, get up in another part. A body is in prison. You need to pray. Remember them. Now, get up. They are bound. You are free. Be bound with them as if you are in chains. Why get bound? That's the reality of this gospel. That's the reality of this gospel. And God is looking for men and women who are like that. We are men and women of faith, not of sight. Faith. My righteous shall love by faith. So we go to communion. I would ask the elders to come. But as we come to this, remember what it is. We partake of it joyfully. But it cost him. His body his blood cost. So worship him to come, the elders to come. Remember that. It's not an ordinary table. It's a table that can bring healing. It can, a table that can bring deliverance. A table that can bring awakening in your inner man. Also a table that can bring sickness, sleep, Scripture says, even death. We don't judge ourselves. Because of the price He paid for us. This morning we just come to you. We surrender ourselves as a body. And I pray, Father, as these elements go forth, we will remember you, Lord. We will remember that price that you paid because you were obedient to the will of your Father. Oh, Father, a month is over. So many areas of our life we didn't listen. We didn't tarry. We didn't wait. We went ahead in our flesh. We disobeyed your known and hidden will. We didn't do the things we should have done. And we did the things which we shouldn't have done. We come to you, Father. Seek mercy. Mercy, Lord, mercy. He said in your word, if we confess, you are faithful. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
by faith we plead that blood a blood the blood God's own son cleanse us purify us sanctify us that as we partake of this it brings healing it brings strength it brings an opening even more of our eyes that we may perceive you know you as you really are oh God thank you thank you thank you for Jesus name we pray Please hold it in your hands we will partake of it together at the end in the light of the gospel we are not of this place your and my citizenship is of heaven we are passing through we are here for a purpose once the purpose is done we need to be willing to go not like hezekiah turn to the wall and weep when you are called home live as the gospel says what does peter call us pilgrims and sojourners live light when i lived in that nation working with the underground church i lived very light at just one table and two chairs a third person came and he said you need to sit on the ledge one bag and one suitcase was packed every day today the government says leave i leave live light 
may not be persecuted right now. Learn to live light. Jesus only asked us to remember two things. One is what we partook in. The other he said, remember Lord's wife. Don't look back. We are people who left. We go into the world as a set of people who have been sanctified and sent for a purpose. Jesus said, we are not of the world. We don't belong there. But he says, I sent you into the world from a different planet altogether. As far as the world are concerned, we are aliens and live like one. We may claim a spiritual heritage of Abraham, but the truth of Abraham is revealed in the new covenant. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9, the father of believers. We call him the father of believers, the truth. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. In the land of promise. As in a foreign country. As in a foreign country. In the land of promise. As in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob. Isaac and Jacob dwelling in tents. The heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham, how many servants do you have? He said, I'm not sure. I need to check with Eliezer. When I went for war, I took 318. But those were those were born in my family. Other than that, I got plenty. Where do you live, Abraham? In a tent. Isaac, where do you live? In a tent. Jacob, where do you live? In a tent. Why? Why did God make them live in tents? For our sakes. To let us know. We are aliens and sojourners in this land. That we are really willing to move. And God tells us to move. Only one in that family built a house. And his name was Lot. When judgment came, he was very reluctant to leave his house. I'm not talking about not having your house. Don't misinterpret me. That's not what I am saying. I'm saying we'll live a kind of life where we are attached to nothing other than God. Attached to nothing. Get because what I'm saying, all these smooth talkers will come on TV and tell you are an heir of Abraham. Claim this brother. Claim this sister. They will jump and put dollars. And you will all go crazy. I've seen this happening here in Hyderabad. That's what I'm saying. I saw it. I went there once many years ago to witness what is this drama. And they will all use the name of Abraham. You know what the scripture says about Abraham? In Acts chapter 7. He came out of the land of Chaldeans, dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it. Not even enough to set his foot on. Not even as the only thing Abraham owned in the promised land was the plot in the cemetery to bury his wife. So don't worry, you die, I will bury you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because these are the things that consume the minds of people. Consumed by this thing. That's what Jesus said about Lot and about Noah. The two judgments pictures we have. What to buy, what to eat, what to drink, this thing, building, planting. And suddenly the day came upon them and they were all caught unawares. God said, don't forget, don't worry about these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What you need for his plan, his purpose, God will add. 
Our job is to put our nose front. I'm, I'm seeking your kingdom and your righteousness and your will in my life. I know what you need for that. You will give. Not even a foot. Set. In Makpala, from Ephron, he bought. He said, take it free. You're a big man among us. He said, I want nothing free. Nothing free. That's why we take nothing free from the government. Where did I learn it from? Abraham. I've lifted my hand to the Lord. I will not even take a thong from your sandal. I don't want anything free. Everything I want free, my Savior freely gives. That I will take free. Learn, children, learn. The world gives nothing free. There's a price tag always attached. Always. When Bera, the king of Sodom, came to Abraham and said, Take all this wealth. Give me the souls. Nothing comes free. Nothing comes free. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob lived in the promised land. The only thing they owned was a burial plot. Abraham was buried there. Sarah was buried there. Abraham was buried there. Isaac was buried there. Rebecca was buried there. Jacob died in Egypt. What did he say? Bury me there. Take me. Take me. They took his bones. Buried him there. One woman was not buried there. The woman he loved most. Rachel was not buried there. Why? Because she clung to her father's idols. Therefore she was not buried there. The one plot this entire family owns in the promised land, one person is not buried. It's Rachel. He will say in his old age, after 40, 50, 60 years after her death, he will say, to my sorrow, I buried her on the, at Ephrata near Bethlehem. Why? Because she sat on her father's idols. And he had said, anybody who is found with the idols, let him die. Without knowing, she was sitting on it. That's the problem. When God is telling you, go to the promised land, I'm taking you there, you're still clinging to your idols. That's why John, when he writes this epistle, he says, little children, young men and fathers, little children, flee idolatry. Flee. i got nothing more to tell you. I will tell you more things once you have fled this. Flee idolatry. Young men, you have overcome the evil men. Fathers, you have known him from the beginning. Grow. 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 Unplot. The richest man probably living in that time. One of the richest men. One plot. A burial plot. That's all he owned. Joseph will say, last record in the book of Genesis, 50th chapter, when he is dying, he will call his brethren, the Hebrews, and say, one day the Lord will send a savior. And you will go out of this land. When you go out of this land, take my bones with you. Take my bones with you. I may have lived in Egypt. I may be the most powerful man over here. Pharaoh has committed everything into my hands. I own. But I don't belong here. I don't belong here. When I die, take my bones. Bury me there. 500 years later, they will leave. They will leave. 
See in your spirit, see in your mind. Israel leaving Egypt. Two million people. The cattle, the flocks, the herds, everything. And you will see them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Wandering, wandering, wandering in the wilderness. What guides them? There is the priest holding the ark. Moving, moving, moving. Look closely. You will see another set of people holding another box. It is Joseph's bones. Because it will find its rest only in the promised land. That's what Joshua will write. What Jacob had bought was given to Joseph's tribe as inheritance. His bones will go to rest. We don't belong here. We don't belong here. Don't get too attached. Whatever God gives you from above, receive it thanksgiving. But don't hold it. It will take you down. It will take you down. As Lot was taken down. Take you down. Live as free men. That's what surrender means. I have given it into your hands, O Lord. Given it into your hands. I have given it. Into your hands. And I have sat down. What do you do, do, do with my life? It's okay. Don't run into Job's wife's theology. If you don't prosper, curse God and die. He says, come on, hang on. What are you talking about? The Lord gives. The Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're not attached to anything other than God. Attached to nothing else. That's what Paul will finally write. He's writing from his heart because he's known the Savior more than the apostles who walked with him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he will say, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Now he's not saying abandon your wives. He's telling about you want to be caught in the rapture. Remember Enoch who was taken only alone. If he had clung to his wife, he would have been left behind. If he had clung to his children, he would have been left behind. Nobody was taken with him. He alone. You want to be taken alive? Walk with God. Walk with God if he needs alone. Live like that in your heart. Be very clear. Love your wife. Love your children. But don't love anybody more than God. Like I keep telling you, one thing I give it to Lot. One thing. I believe when that sulfur fell and his wife started screaming, he held his daughters and said, don't look back. One thing, granted, at least one good thing he did, he didn't look back. Otherwise, he would have four pillars of salt there. Instead, we have only one. That's what he says. Those who weep as they did not weep. What are you weeping about? Lost something? What are you weeping about? Don't worry. Those who rejoice as you are... What have you rejoiced about? Your promotion? Your marks? Those who buy as they did not? But this I say, brethren, the time is short. And those who use this world... As not misusing it. Don't misuse it. You have use, misuse and abuse. Three terms. Don't misuse. Don't abuse. This world is passing away. Passing away. That is the gospel. The authentic gospel. The real gospel. You live like that, 
You are a free man, a free woman, a free child all the days of your life. You will hear from God. You ask Samuel, what do you have? Chinna Papa, what do you have? Mama gave me these two efforts, that's all. You don't have another? No, next year she will come. She regularly comes and she somehow in her mind knows how much I have grown. That's all I have. Oh, that's all you have? Yeah. Are you happy? Happy, yes. You're happy here? Among these guys called Phineas and Hobini, you're happy? The thieves, the adulterers in the temple, you're happy? You're happy, why? So I've heard the voice of God. I've heard the voice of God. I'm happy. Really happy. That is what joy is. That is what joy is. That's what I'm talking about. We're not talking about Bible knowledge. We're not talking about all that is good. We have a God who speaks. He speaks to us. That's what you have to hear. In the spirit. It gets louder and louder and louder as you handle truth in your life. So at the end of his life, John will say, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day worshipping and I heard his voice like a trumpet. He had heard as a whisper. Now it was a trumpet. Sanctified. Sanctified. Yes, clear. In the spirit, it's like a trumpet. That's what God says. All that who have ears, let them hear what the spirit says. Let them hear. Because we serve a God who speaks. So this morning, shall we stand up? Shall we stand up? He loves us. I'll never usually tell you, because you're all grown in the Lord now, God loves you. That's all cotton candy stuff. If you look at the cross and you still don't believe Jesus loves you, nothing will make you believe. You don't need one more thing other than the cross. Not one more thing. 4,000, 5,000 years ago, an old man and a young son walked up a mountain, alone, up the mountain. The father held the fire and the knife. The son had the wood on his shoulder. The son says, Father, the fire is here, the wood is here. Where is the animal? You know what the father told the servants? The son and I will go up and worship the Lord and come. At the first time worship, if I'm right, is used in the Bible. First time worship is used in the Bible. To worship this God, God had demanded many things. First, leave your father's household. Wait until his father died. Get rid of Lot. Get rid of Ishmael. Now he's waiting there. This is the promised child and he hears, take your only son and offer him as a sacrifice. And he's going up the mountain to worship God. Scripture says, he tied him onto the altar and he lifted his knife. Then he heard a voice. Stay your hand. 2,000 years ago, there was another son who was walking up another hill with a wood on his shoulders. But the father did not stay his hand. The father did not stop the fire. That's why the son cried out, my father, my father, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That doesn't change our lives. That doesn't bring us to obedience. Nothing will. Nothing will. Nothing will. That's why we come back to the cross. 
That's why Paul says we preach Christ crucified. That's what changes. That's what changes. This morning, as in every morning, we stand in the light of the cross. I have a savior. To save me, it cost him everything. And I'm not holding anything back from him. Another month has begun. Two more months to go. Another month has begun. This month, this day, Lord, I start afresh. All that I have, all that I know, lay it at your feet. It's yours. Take it, O Lord. Be like that little boy. I don't know what God will do with your life. I don't know how it will turn out. Leave it into his hands. You look at those hands, you can give it into his hands. You look into those hands carefully. Those are nail-pierced hands. Put your life into those hands and Lord, here I am. I give it. Bless me, break me, use me. I promise you one thing. If your life is defined by that, the world may not know you. The TV cameras will never see your life. But a day will come when God of heaven will rise up and say, pick up the fragments. Every portion of that life, pick it up. Because that went from my hands. Your record, your history will be written up there. It will be known to every eye and every ear. It will not be a waste. He will ask always, why did he ask them to pick up those 12 basketfuls to tell us nothing that has gone from his hand is ever forgotten or wasted. Never. It's good to put your life into your hands. Rest is history. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Let your life go through his hands. Shall we pray? It's an act of God. Close your eyes. I'm not asking you to come forward because we don't have a time. But God sees your heart. Surrender. He sees I don't see, he sees. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just surrender ourselves into the hands of Lord. I surrender myself. And I pray, Father, you see. You see the faces. You see the names. You know them by name. You know their situation. You know their homes. You know nothing is hidden from your sight. You know them. For me, these are faces in a crowd. But for you. Each is a person, beloved in your sight. And I pray every surrendered heart I know, Lord, you will receive. Oh, Father, that beautiful hands, that mighty hands, that powerful hands. Oh, that hands that threw the stars into space are the same hands that allowed itself to be pierced. That hands, I pray, Lord, will hold these lives together. And you would bless it. And you would break it. And then you would give away these lives to this land and other nations. That the people will know of a God who loves, who saves, who delivers. Use us, Lord. We are yours. Use us. We hold nothing back this morning, Lord. Nothing, nothing back. We are yours. Use us as you see fit. He put no conditions. Thank you, Father. As we go into another month, go before us. Go before us. We don't know about tomorrow. But we are sure about you. Go before us. Protect your people. Preserve your people. Keep your people. Bless your people. Heal your people. Deliver your people. 
And above all, use your people for your name, for your glory. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Forever and ever, O oh Lord. None should, O oh God, I pray, call, miss the call of God in their life. None should be left unchosen. For many are called, few are chosen. And I pray, Father, you would choose. And I pray, Father, those who are chosen will remain faithful. And I pray, Father, those who remain faithful also will remain profitable. Oh, Father, use us. Use us, Lord, use us. We are here, Lord. This nation needs people, Lord. Men and women who are on fire for God. They need, this nation needs 2,000 years, oh Lord. The gospel came here 2,000 years ago, Lord. Pray, Father. Men and women will arise as they hear this message on the net. And they will say, here I am, O Lord. Send me. Use me. We can have a harvest in your house, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you, God. We worship you, God. We glorify you, Lord. Now by faith, O Lord, we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, O oh, Spirit of God, touch your people, Lord. Touch, Lord. Comfort, Lord. You're telling me even now there is somebody struggling, somebody struggling. Touch, Lord. You know her. You know her. Touch, Lord. Touch. Touch, Lord. Comfort, heal. Broken with it. Broken. You came to heal the broken hearted, Lord. Touch. Touch, Lord. Touch. 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 Oh, Spirit of God. Comfort, comfort, heal, heal, Lord, heal, touch, Lord, touch, thank you.